from the Financial Times, this is FT News and I'm Jyotsna Singh in Delhi. For thousands of Indian students, the search for a quality higher education often ends in the US or UK. Not a single Indian institute figured in the top 200 of the latest world university rankings. Although the country is known for a handful of prestigious engineering and management institutions, its universities and colleges are seen as failing to foster creativity and original scholarship. The FT's Amy Kasman has written an article on a new private liberal arts university on Delhi's outskirts that aspires to reach the standards of the U.S. Ivy League universities. Amy joins me here with one of the founders of the new Ashoka University, Ashish Thavan, to talk about higher education in India. Welcome both. Amy, what has been the focus of India's higher education policy until now? In the aftermath of India's independence from British colonial rule, Jawaharlal Nehru, the first Prime Minister of India, was very focused on developing a cadre of high-level professionals who could build modern India and its economy. He set up the Indian Institutes of Technology and the Indian Institutes of Management to churn out highly qualified engineers and management professionals who would be capable of undertaking the kind of grand projects that he envisioned, like dams, steel mills, and all the things that he thought was necessary for a modern industrial economy. These institutes today are still very prestigious, and admission is highly competitive. Millions and millions of young Indians compete for places in the IITs and IAMs each year, but there's just a handful of these institutes, and the number that they can take is very small. Ashish, how did you and the other co-founders come around to the very ambitious idea of setting up a new university from scratch? As Amy had said earlier, I think India had focused on establishing leading professional institutes, uh, the IITs, the IIMs, etc. And so the pendulum had just swung too far in the direction of professional degrees. The liberal arts, the humanities, social sciences, and fundamental sciences had been ignored over the last 50 years. And so there was a real opportunity for a resurgence in these disciplines. So several of us who were founders, four of us in particular, came together with the idea of building this new university that could be the sort of leader in these fields in India, focus on research and teaching, and really, in a sense, look at reinventing the liberal arts and humanities in the Indian context. Why did you decide to focus on liberal arts education, which is sometimes seen not so practical or useful? Yeah, a number of people did dissuade us. I think the feeling was that liberal arts education is a luxury, and India is still a developing country. It's a lower middle-income country, and so now may not be the right time. But the world is changing rapidly. Even in India, it's not quite clear if you are a college student today what the job market is going to look like 10 or 20 or 30 years from now. So parents and students want choice. They really do want to focus on 21st century skills, critical thinking, communication, developing a love for learning, developing a spirit of public service. So we thought that Even though there was some degree of skepticism, now was the right time to start an institution like this. I think the future leaders of India need to be more broad-minded. And also, if we want a healthy democracy, 
we do want students who have the ability to question power, students who have the ability to think independently, students who can speak eloquently and write cogently. So all of these are going to be really important for India as an emerging democracy and as an emerging economy. In the last decade, India has seen the opening of several other very credible private universities set up by prominent uh, philanthropists and industrialists, which are also building strong reputations for themselves. What makes Ashoka different? So I think as you pointed out, I think the good news is there are six or seven new philanthropic institutions that have been set up, most of them by leading industrialists, and I think there are more on the anvil. So I think that's great. We want many more institutions to come up. I think Ashoka is distinctive in a few ways. Firstly, we are exclusively focused on liberal arts, just the humanities, social sciences, and the fundamental sciences. Most of the others are much more ambitious in wanting to also have management programs, engineering programs. And whilst that's great, it does in some sense dilute the focus or take away a little bit of the focus from the liberal arts. So I think Ashoka has a distinctive value proposition. I think a second distinctive element is that we are a collective philanthropic project. Most of the other new ones have one backer, and that's good. It's somebody who can really fund the institution for the next 20, 30 years, will set up a large endowment. Ashoka University today has 105 founders, so people who have contributed $300,000 or more. We have 20-plus trustees. And interestingly, all the trustees have agreed to get termed out. So alumni will eventually take over from the people who initially funded the institution. So this is a governance model that we believe will really allow us to sustain and maintain quality over the long term because alumni have the deepest vested interest in the success of the institution. It's the governance model that American universities have followed, and we believe it's made them really successful. I think one of the issues that some of the single-owner universities may face is if their kith or kin don't have as much of an interest in building a public institution to serve the nation, those institutions could fall upon hard times in the future. So that, I think, makes Ashoka very, very distinctive. The fact that there's this governance model and also the shared governance model with faculty. I think faculty in our context have a bigger say in terms of running the institution. There's no interference from founders in terms of the academics. And that's very, very important if we want to attract the best faculty to move from the US or UK to come back to India to a place like Ashoka University. The college is obviously expensive. Who are your target students? Our cost per student is just under $10,000. Interestingly, if you look at the IITs, which are a public institution, a government-funded institution, their costs are quite similar. It's just that the IITs are free because they're funded by government. We, because we're a private institution, want to have some degree of sustainability. So our fees are high in the Indian context. We are priced at around $13,000 tuition room and board. This year, slightly more than that. But we are very, very committed to socioeconomic diversity. We don't want to be a richy rich university. About 60% of the students at Ashoka receive financial aid. We are currently need-blind, which means students get in on the basis of merit, and then we offer them financial aid based on parental income and means to pay. So no one is excluded from Ashoka 
because they cannot afford it. And so I think the ethos of the institution is very much that we are committed to being diverse and inclusive in all forms. But it is a concern in that in the early days in particular, because the liberal arts is not as well understood, we do tend to attract students from some of the top metro cities in India, from some of the leading schools in India. And we are making a concerted effort to go deeper into the hinterland and to attract more students who would come from other parts of India and also more students who are on financial aid. I'll say one last thing, which is we also want more international students. About 6% of the student body at the undergraduate level today is international. We'd like to take that up to about 15% in the next five to six years. We are committed to being truly diverse and inclusive. Amy, how do you see Ashoka University as reflecting wider trends in Indian higher education? Ashoka University is obviously a very inspiring initiative, but unfortunately, it's not necessarily reflective of the majority of what's happening in the sector. In the last few years, India has seen a proliferation of private colleges and institutions, often in the technical fields like engineering, trying to capitalize on those who think that an engineering degree is definitely the ticket to a better future. Unfortunately, a lot of these private institutes Their whole agenda is to essentially make money for the owning family. They really don't have a social mission or a philanthropic mission in mind. A lot of these institutes turn out graduates who are very, very poorly skilled, ill-prepared for the challenges of the workforce. But what's even worse is many students take on high amounts of debt so they can attend these kind of private institutes. So you have a lot of graduates from very third or fourth rate private institutions coming out not very capable of getting jobs. And it's a big problem in the sector, which has lacked for very vigorous regulation. What about public universities? Are they able to maintain standards? India does have a large number of public universities and colleges, but unfortunately, these two have been degraded over the years. Many of these are institutes that existed even before India's independence. They are a legacy of the colonial era. In the last few decades, they've been starved for funds. They have had to dramatically increase the number of students that they take in without proportionate increase in the number of professors. But also they're extremely micromanaged by India's educational bureaucracy. The professors have very, very little freedom. There's an idea that every college should teach students the exact same thing no matter where they are. In a Western-style university, professors have a lot of freedom to teach their students what they want. In these Indian universities and colleges, everything is dictated by the bureaucracy or everything has to be agreed to by all colleges at the same time. So in the effort to standardize education to huge numbers of students across multiple institutions, they've basically killed originality, creative thinking, and it just becomes an extension of the learning by rote that is often seen in a lot of Indian schools. And there's also sadly not much focus on research at these Indian universities. There's no budget, there's no time, the professors are not valued or promoted on the basis of their original scholarship or thinking. So the true idea of a university at the cutting edge of thought, engaging with peers all over the world at a similar level, None of that is taking place. 
And I talked to some professors from state-run universities, and in some ways, these professors are really little more than glorified high school teachers. Ashish, Ashoka is still in its early stages. What happens next? So Ashoka is only in its fourth year. We've got a long road ahead. I think what we have done in the first four years is establish sort of brand as a teaching university because we have a strong undergraduate program. This year we'll have about 500 incoming students, so reasonable scale. And we think in the next 10 years we could be up to 14 to 1,500 incoming undergraduate students. So that's a fairly large cohort in line with some of the leading universities across the world. But we still do not have a graduate program. We have a one-year post-grad program, but it's not a master's program. And so the big focus over the next five years is really to establish the graduate schools across the disciplines that we cover in the humanities, social sciences, and fundamental sciences, 11 disciplines in particular, where we want to offer master's and PhD programs. So that's the highest priority. And alongside that is to provide a major fillip to research because the faculty base is growing. We have about 85 full-time faculty, 35 visiting faculty, but that base is going to grow very rapidly in the next five years. And we need to support our faculty with research, funds to give them graduate students, to create a culture for research, etc. So I think my aspiration is that five years from now, Ashoka won't just be a teaching university but really will be recognized as both a research and teaching university. What role do you think Ashoka University can play in the development of India's higher education as a whole? So I think as founders, what really got us excited was, of course, the idea of building this one institution, but really the idea of can this be a lever to shift in particular all of higher ed in India? And as Amy mentioned earlier, there's a very, very large higher ed system in India. 35 million students go to about 800 universities and 35 plus thousand colleges. One Ashoka, even when we are at 10,000 students, 15 years from now, is just a drop in the ocean. But we do believe that if we can build the leading liberal arts university in India, that many others will want to copy and set up similar institutions. We also believe that at some of the traditional universities, you'll start to see a recognition that in the curriculum, more breadth needs to be offered alongside depth. We think we can influence that. Thanks, Ashish. Thanks, Amy. Thanks for listening. This is Jyotsna Singh in Delhi saying goodbye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.